Hi, welcome to Shop Talk with the Sheriff. This is Sheriff Gregory Tony here in Broward County, Florida. Thank you to all who've been following our podcast over the last year or so. And for those who recognize kind of the theme here, I always bring in a special guest, someone from within the organization, sometimes even from outside the agency, uh, individuals who are participating in community development, um, different activist groups, you name it, they've been on the show. But today we're staying in-house, baby. We're keeping it inside the green with BSO. Um, we are in the middle of Women's History Month, and so why not bring in some powerhouse women who have broke down barriers, opened up opportunities, and then literally passed the torch to their predecessors or someone else that looks like them, sound like them, to continue the legacy. What am I talking about? Today I have retired Lieutenant Colonel Barbara Law on the show today. In addition with Lieutenant Colonel Elsie Judine on the show today, both who had started their careers in the Department of Detention, worked and navigated through so many different channels, and then now they are on the show. So ladies, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you both for coming on. Uh, I want to give a little bit of bio, a little background, and then I'm going to let you kind of tell your own story. You know, I hate reading bullet points, but... Got to start with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Barbara Law, uh, back it up. You know, Barbara Law had dedicated her entire life in service, starting within the military, working in the Women's Army Corps as a medical specialist, navigating over, completing a successful career there, finding her way into the Department of Detention, and running the gauntlet, really working her way through the rank, penetrating, becoming the first female to attain the rank of Lieutenant Colonel, um, in the agency, and then just recently, kind of recently, retired in 2000? Yes. So, ma'am, thank you for coming on, and, and we're going to dive a little bit more into your background and some of the things that drove you to be part of history, because you are part of history here in BSO in Broward County. And then, of course, uh, the kind of fairly minted lieutenant colonel. Uh, what's it been now since your promotion? It has been eight months now. Eight months. Almost a year, folks. We're going to get her through it's the probationary wonderful. period. Uh, she's a rock star. <clears throat> Another one who had came into the Department of Detention very early on, uh, started as a corrections uh, technician in 1998. Is that right? That is correct. Navigated through, putting herself through the academy, getting certified, starting her career in the Department of Detention, rose up to the ranks of executive officer in the Department of Community Programs, and then later promoted as the major uh, to Jack or the Juvenile Assessment Center. And then just eight months ago, uh, we end up recognizing, hey, she's got a little bit more juice to give. She's kind of a rock star. Let's, let's bump her up in the game, uh, making lieutenant colonel. So here in front of me, I have both the person that knocked down the door and the person that's keeping it open. So I'm going to start with Miss Law. Tell us a little bit about your background beyond the profession. What got you interested in this? Where are you from? Um, there's always a story before there's a legacy. Well, I was always brought up. I'm a Southern girl. I was born in Spartanburg, South Carolina, at the foot of the Blue Ridge Mountains, mm -hmm. beautiful country there. And I was raised up in an area where everyone cared for everyone, and everyone made sure that everything was fine. There were no homeless because we took care of our own. Although it was hard, it wasn't easy, I attended uh, Brewer High School, graduated, and went on to the uh, Benedict College in Columbia, South Carolina. From there into the military, uh, reaching the rank of Spec 4, specialist, fourth class, medical specialist. From there, I met a wonderful man, married, 
and they had three wonderful children, two boys and a, and a girl, Betty. Betty, who followed in my footsteps. In fact, mm-hmm. she retired as a major uh, a couple of years back, and uh, um, we're very close-knit. And I was always taught to care for others, not only for myself. So service is what I've always wanted to do. And to see people make mistakes and never forgiven was not the way I was taught. Everybody should be forgiven for whatever they've done. That's right. And that's what I tried to do. When I worked in, this, in the system, I wanted to make sure that I was there for everyone. And so, both of the offender and the public and the people I work I, with. I love that it's 100% service oriented, right? That's everything that we do, folks in uniform, most certainly, but we probably should be living our life along that line. Now, throughout your journey, there came struggle, there came conflict, there came injustices. Talk about what it's been like or what it was like for you to penetrate this white male dominant profession and then prove yourself worthy of becoming a lieutenant colonel? The only way that happened was because of the support I got from the people that I work with. Mm -hmm. Uh, They didn't work for me, and I let them know, you don't work for me, you work with with me. me." Mm -hmm. And this was an understanding that we had. We worked as a family. Everybody cared for one another, not just I'm getting promoted and I'm going to step on you and move up. No, we work to support you, to hold you up. And we made sure that what we did was from our hearts and to help you advance. That was important. For the inmates that, we, that was in our system, we tried to direct them in a way so that when they got out of the system, they could be a better person. Was there anything you've seen throughout your career um, or that you had to endure throughout your career that you think, you know, now we, you got the future alongside of you here? Yes. Right, with Lieutenant Colonel uh, Judine here. Is there anything that you would pass off to her in her role, um, things that she may face simply because she's a woman, simply because she's a black woman? I always think that there's nothing that you can't do. If you can believe it, you can achieve it. Don't ever let anyone tell you that because of your race, being a female, you aren't capable because you are capable of doing anything that you chose to do. Absolutely. Work hard. Hard work pays off. And in a male-dominated society, you're going to work twice as hard. And that's okay because you know what? We support our brothers. That's right. And if you make your brother look good, he's going to look back and pull you up and make you look good too because he wants you there beside him. You know, I love when I'm in a room with those who have been there before me, um, a trailblazer, someone who penetrated through the state, and then you watch them and listen to them uh, who are in their footsteps. And what I mean, folks, is you all can't see it, uh, but I have both of these ladies uh, sitting in front of me. And as Lieutenant Colonel Law was talking, I look over at Lieutenant Colonel Judah, (laughs) and the look in her eye is like, I'm going to run through a wall. Because the inspiration and knowing how important it is to continue in her footsteps. And so here we are, right? Throughout your career, same navigations. Now you're in a position. You've seen kind of the things she's had to go through um, as a roadmap. But where are you headed? Because now the torch is passed to you. What is it that you want to accomplish and leave behind for the next young lady who says, 
hey, I might want to follow in that path? Well, what is always important is that you live your life, you operate in a manner where you're knowing that people are watching you. You want to set yourself up as an example to pave the way so that they can have a path that has already been walked in, and you're giving them the tools and the skills so that the technology that, right. that you may not have at the current state, they're going to be able to pick up based on the little crumbs of knowledge that you leave behind so that they can go ahead and just do exactly that, um, pick up the mantle, run with it. Um, what One of the important things for me is teaching, coaching, mentoring. So when what I know, my team should know. And Betty calls it family. It is family. It's a team. We call it a team. How often are you two communicating, or, or have you had a chance since your promotion and said, hey, I, I just made lieutenant colonel? Did that happen? Today. Today. Awesome. Today. She may have communicated with my daughter, Betty, mm-hmm. because I've been gone for 22 years now, and uh, I kind of lost track of all of the younger people, but it's good to for be familiar, and Betty keeps me informed. Oh, boy, does she ever. Yeah. <laughs> she lets me know what's going on in the department. She passes everything along, and she lets me know, Ma, remember when, and I do remember when. Working in the facility, knowing that when I walked down the hallways, that there were people that didn't always accept me, and that was okay. I didn't take offense to that. I made them like me because I said, if I set the right example and show you that I can love you, even though you've got problems, you know what? Eventually you'll realize where I'm coming from, and you do. Now, you mentioned you've been gone now for 20 years, 20-plus years, but um, I'm sure you pay attention to what's been occurring, the the changes in the organization. Um, A lot of members who had served here, dedicated BSO personnel, leading up the organization, and then women in general. Uh, I think over the last three years, almost about half of our promotions have been women. It's been wonderful. It's been women. And what does that mean for you to walk through this building and see the, the visual changes from women, minorities, being in these different leadership roles. It's a wonderful feeling. It, it, it shows that the groundwork, the trailblazing that they say I did or we did has paid off. It shows that when we have a sheriff that's a black man that we never expected. That wouldn't have happened back in the day when I initially started. Way back then, I don't think so. The sheriffs that I worked for were wonderful people. They did what they could do at that time. Mm -hmm. But now times have moved on, and things have changed, and for the best. Sometimes change isn't always for the best, but this change has been wonderful. And to walk down the corridors and to see females in the positions that they are now that wasn't, I, I walked. Sometimes I'm, when I'm out shopping, someone will touch me on the shoulder and say, Miss Law, do you remember me? And I go, no, darling, I'm afraid I don't. Well, I was in your jail such and such a time, and you did this for me. My mother died, and you made arrangements so I could go to her funeral. I want to yeah. thank you for that. I had forgotten that, but that inmate didn't. That's right. He you, remembered. You touch people's lives, and they'll hold on to things forever. They don't forget. You never know what impression you're leaving on somebody. They don't and forget. how long they're going to actually hold and absorb it. Now, here we are, <clears throat> 2022. 
we have two of the senior ranking people or individuals over at the Department of Detention, number one and two. Both are women. Both are black women. And so what are you seeing? What has that done for the Department of Detention and how it's changing uh, the culture over there? Because there, there's a lot of uniqueness in that in itself. Absolutely. What I can tell you is that what it shows is that anything is possible. Everything is possible. That you can have people in positions, not just because of what they look like, but because of their merit, because of their heart to serve, because they want to make a difference and they see a bigger purpose of changing a culture, an environment to move us forward as an agency, as a department. And that's significant because uh, for those who are not aware, the Department of Detention really eats up a good portion of our operating budget. I mean, we're, we're pushing out almost $300 million a year over there. Um, and it's not just a matter of the MA population, but also about the employee base because there's a large employee base. A good chunk of the organization is over at the Department of Detention. What challenges do you think you may undertake, uh, both you and Colonel Benjamin, over there leading this thing up? simply because we the, the community hasn't seen that before. Are you seeing anything with uh, internally that becoming kind of an issue or a barrier to get through? I would not say a barrier per se. It's a challenge. Uh, one of the things, because the jail system of our size is so massive, it really is a community. Mm-hmm. So within our jail community, we reflect the Broward community, Broward out here. So I would challenge that anyone would see that the services, the support that we have in our jail community is reflective of what we have in Broward County. The mental health services, the the health services, you know, that you can have a doctor on call, an x-ray technician, a dentist professional, that we reflect Broward County and the services that we offer to our MA population surpasses services that are offered in any area. So it's it's a challenge to want to make sure that we provide those same level of services so that there's no stop and gap when we're making them whole, that they can go out into the community and serve and be a productive member of society. You know, another thing that just dawned on me is the fact that there must have been some overlap in your careers because you're in what year now? I am in my 24th year. Was there any overlap at all? What was that like? Was there ever, did you ever run across the rookie and have to, have to straighten her out? This is an interesting part here. <laughs> so she's walking out of the door in 2000. I'm walking into the academy. Wow. And that was because of you. Because I saw someone who was in a uniform. Remember, I was a civilian in 98. Mm-hmm. Had no idea what law enforcement was, had no idea what criminal justice was. And here I am seeing someone who looks like me, who's wearing a uniform, who is strong. I wanted to be that. I wanted to follow in that path. It's it's interesting because, uh, you know, I'm out in the community often. I talk to all type of folks, different kids and age groups, black, white, uh, Hispanic. It doesn't matter. And one thing I've learned since uh, accepting commanding office back in 2019 now, three years ago, is it does matter for people to see themselves in roles that they aspire to be in. And, you know, being the first African-American sheriff, I could, I could see it in, in kids' eyes. You could see it in adult eyes that it meant something to see that it was possible. You can hear about it. Um, the, the, our country, for all its deficiencies and defects, we have a great country we live in with a 1,000 opportunities if you're willing to work. But there are those 
barriers and blockades simply because of prejudice and discrimination that, that it truly exists. Um, <clears throat> being able to see somebody that look like you, sound like you in the roles and professions and dreams that you aspire to accomplish uh, is significant. So I can imagine what you're, what you're saying because I see it all the time. Um, for those of you who are coming in on the back channel, <clears throat> you end up missing two special guests that we had on the show today. We kept it within BSO, kept it green, and brought in retired Lieutenant Colonel uh, Barbara Law and then a current Lieutenant Colonel Elsie uh, Judine, who is both or have both have served in the Department of Detention, uh, and our, our new LTC is still rocking and rolling, getting it done. Last thing I would bring up, or at least pass the mic to you all, and give you an opportunity. If you, if you had some young woman or man, it doesn't matter, because I, I have a lot of women role models um, listening in right now, what, would, what advice would you give them uh, if they were going to start on your path or start in that same journey to become part of the Department of Detention or law enforcement? I'll start with uh, Ms. Law. Always make your good better and your better best. Hmm. Think about it. I like that. Always, always. And think of others, not only of yourself, but others. Because you never know, each one help one reaches one. Pull them up. Bring them along with you. That's right. Set the example. Not only talk it, work it, live it, and share it. That's important to all of us. Man. Look out for your fellow man, and it helps. Listen, I had a smile on my face because I almost said amen. I felt like <laughs> I was in church on that one. Uh, <laughs> what you got? <laughs> I would simply say, if you can believe it, you can achieve it. It, it really is that simple. Mm -hmm. If you have an I can attitude, that means that you will knock over every barrier to get through that brick door to make sure it's a challenge for you. When you're tested, when someone tells you that you can't do something, you want to prostrate yourself so that you show them, not only can I, I'll even do it better than the person before me. So it's, it's important to put yourself in a position where you don't allow the noise to stifle your growth, but that you continue to plant those seeds and water them, you know, bit by bit, and just really be that example for someone else. Not only that, if you help others, they help themselves and they help you. I could not have reached the rank that I reached without the people there that supported me, not working for me, but working with me. And that's what I always wanted them to know. You don't work for me. You work with me. And I made everyone feel that way because it was true. And this is why we supported one another as a family. And we worked together as a family. We were strong. Each one helped one, and we did it. Listen, <clears throat> both of you, I, I was going to let you all close, but yeah, it brought something else back in my head. I, I I'll go over to Lieutenant Colonel Judine first. Uh, I remember hearing this quote a long time ago that everything in this world is created twice. First, created in the mind. And then second, you have to go out and put the work and bring it into fruition. Um, and then the second side, it, it, Barbara, I heard you say it twice. It's an old African proverb, each one teach one. Uh, and the responsibility of when you do make it, do not act like crabs in a barrel. Instead, push the lead crab over because they might just turn around and pull you up with them. 
All right. So thank you, ladies, both for joining us on um, Shop Talk with the Sheriff for Women's History Month. It's been a delight having you both on. Thank you so much, Sharon. Thank you very much. Thank you. And to all our listeners, thank you for joining me on Shop Talk with the Sheriff. Remember to follow me on Instagram at BSO Sheriff Tony. It's not a stunt double. It's me. Also, subscribe to the podcast so you get early alerts for every new episode. In the meantime, stay safe, be humble, and try to love somebody a little bit more than you love yourself. Thank you.